Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real. Goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk live here on YouTube. And welcome to everyone listening to this on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We welcome you all to this wonderful, wonderfully full that didn't make sense. Wonderfully, wonderfully full, but it will hopefully in a second. 71st edition of Real Take Sports Talk, and what a show it is. We've got the Super Bowl to talk about. We've got some NBA news to talk about. Trades in the NBA. CJ McCollum, he is gone from Portland. We're also going to be talking about Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski, that is possibly joining an NFL team that happens to be playing in the Super Bowl this Sunday. That and so much more coming up. On Real Take Sports Talk number 71. Before we get to any of that, though, for those YouTube listeners and watchers, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. And if you're listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, please, please, please be sure to leave us a five-star review. And as always, keep them 100% God-honest truth real. I'm your host, Omer Q, as always, and we are going to kick things off by talking about the kickoff of the big game, the Cincinnati Bengals, finally, finally, by God, finally, finding their way in to the Super Bowl, back to the Super Bowl, I should say, for the first time since the late 80s when they lost to, I believe, the Denver Broncos back then. Man, oh man, they've come a long way from the era of Andy Dalton, from the era of Carson Palmer, it is the Joe Burrow experience in Cincinnati, and that experience has brought with it a lot of nice wins, playoff wins, something the city of Cincinnati has not known for a long time. And then on the flip side, you got the Los Angeles Rams. By the way, this is big news. Back-to-back years, teams are hosting the Super Bowl. You have the Rams hosting Super Bowl in their own stadium in L.A., right after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went out and won the Super Bowl in their own stadium last year. So you have that, something we had never seen done before, now being done twice in a row. You also have the fact that this is going to be Matthew Stafford's first ever Super Bowl appearance. He has never been in this big game. He has never had a playoff win before this year. All that changed drastically, and it has to do with a few magic words, trades, baby. The Los Angeles Rams this season, actually for the past few seasons, have been known for big trades. They traded uh, like multiple first-round picks to get Jalen Ramsey. They traded multiple first-round picks to get Von Miller. They've traded multiple first-round picks to build up this team, including getting Matthew Stafford and trading away Jared Goff in in the process. So they're staring at an all-or-nothing situation. The Los Angeles Rams have to win a Super Bowl Otherwise, all of this will have been for basically nothing. So you have all of that along with the the high lip, uh, the high uh, expectations, I should say, for someone like a Matthew Stafford. And the expectations are, are high. Don't get it twisted. Do not get it twisted. The expectations for someone like Matthew Stafford are extremely high. Because if he doesn't win this game, and I know I've said it all postseason, and he's proven me wrong all postseason, which is good. I'm glad he has because he's done exactly what he's supposed to be doing. Matthew Stafford, if he doesn't win this game, there are going to be people who are going to look at this team and be like, Jared Goff got him to the Super Bowl. And you can't take that away. Jared Goff did get this team to the Super Bowl. If Matthew Stafford wins the Super Bowl this Sunday, all of that, boom, non-factor. He has cemented his legacy amongst 
the city of Los Angeles. He has cemented his legacy in Rams history, in NFL history, by finally achieving what he has set out to achieve since he was drafted in Detroit, winning a Super Bowl. Those are some of the big storylines. Obviously, you have Zach Taylor, a young head coach, going up against Sean McVay, another very young head coach. Sean McVay, by the, by the way, second Super Bowl in four years, I believe. The dude's a really good coach, believe it or not. He's a really good coach. So there's a lot to like about this. Obviously, you have two great quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford. But then you have to look at the wide receivers who've helped make these quarterbacks this year. Cooper Cup having a historic season, nearly 2,000 yards receiving. You also have the fact that Matthew Stafford has been has the ability to get him the ball deep downfield. You also factor in the fact that someone like an Odell Beckham Jr. has really come on in recent weeks, especially in the playoffs, especially in that NFC title game. Odell Beckham was critical for the Rams' success in that game. Flip side of that. Bengals they got they don't they don't just have Tyler Boyd who is a burner that dude is he will make a big play if, if there's one person outside of Jamar Chase that I think you can trust with the big play in the big moment it is Tyler Boyd that guy I, trust me I'm a Ravens fan that dude is a killer killer instinct ice in his veins blood uh, blood in his eyes all that stuff that Lil Wayne likes to say um but no he he's a he's an absolute beast, uh, an underrated beast on a team of really good receivers. Obviously, T. Higgins came along very well. And of course, you have Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is an out, not just an outstanding receiver, not just an elite receiver. This dude in his first year, like set records, this dude in his first year went out there and proved that he should be talked about as not Maybe not the top receiver in the NFL, but he's in the conversation. And he's going to be for a long time, this kid Jamar Chase. Man, oh man, he's got a bright future ahead of him. This Bengals, entire Bengals roster has a really bright future ahead of him. And you factor in the idea that this is only Joe Burrow's second year. This is only Jamar Chase's first year. These two are going to be together for a very long time. They have those ties from uh, their LSU days, they have those ties. Like Joe Burrow said, after we win the Super Bowl, I'm gonna be lighting up a cigar, smoking it in the back, and I'm just like that. That's amazing because that's exactly what something that Joe Burrow would do. Um, and 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 that's like kind of speaks to the swagger that he's brought to this team. He's the perfect leader for the Cincinnati Bengals. the The interesting thing for me. And I'm not going to like delve too deep into you know who's rooting for who or whatever. I, I mean, obviously, I think the majority of the country is rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals in this because they are the underdog. Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow. They have the, the high potent offense uh, with someone like a Jamar Chase. The story is kind of better with them being the underdog. You got a lot of people betting on the Bengals. That being said, and I, and I totally agree with this. My heart says Bengals. My wallet and my brain say Rams. The Rams have proven themselves this, this postseason. They have proven themselves to be probably the best team in this entire postseason. They, they were the best team. That's not saying the Bengals weren't really good. That's not saying the Bengals weren't even the second best team. That's not saying the Bengals can't even win this game. I will delve more into the the keys to the game and all that kind of stuff in a little bit 
Actually, I will delve into it on Friday night live on YouTube when we break down the Super Bowl. We'll have an entire Super Bowl preview special that we'll talk about all the big news from the big game. And then, of course, we got our Super Bowl live stream on Sunday night right here on YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. So be sure to check that out. I'm not going to get too much into it. That's what I'll tell you, though. My heart says Bengals. Brain says Rams. It's going to be conflicted. I'm going to be very conflicted when I have to make that final choice. It is. This is one of the most interesting Super Bowl matchups there has been in a very, very long time. And you can take that to the bank. That's just... It's just true. No one really thought that these two teams were going to be in this situation. No one thought the Bengals were going to make the Super Bowl. This was a 4-12 football team last year. This was a 4-12 football team last year. And they were able to turn around, get Joe Burrow healthy, get him a wide receiver, still not draft an offensive lineman, and still make the Super Bowl. Proved everybody, including myself, drastically wrong. And I'm happy they did, man, because it's a nice story. Joe Burrow is a really great story to keep an eye on. And, and, you know, everyone's always rooted for him. He had the greatest season in college football history, the greatest single season by any player in college football history. Fight me. 63 touchdowns. Was it 63 or 66? One of those two. This dude went insane that year. I mean, how can you how can you bet against Joe Burrow? That's, that's the thing I'm going to be thinking about over the next few days before our live preview special on Friday night. That's, what I, that's the only what I'm going to be thinking about over the next few days. So, yo, let me know what you guys think, though. Go to YouTube.com, hit that YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Let's move on. And let's move on and talk about some interesting news out of the NFL. Thursday Night Football is getting a little bit of a makeover. So Thursday Night Football will be streaming exclusively on Amazon Prime Video starting in 2022 as part of this huge uh, streaming deal and the streaming rights deal, I should say, that Amazon um, acquired Thursday Night Football with. And coming with it, coming with this whole makeover is Al Michaels. Yes, Al Michaels, who is currently the lead play-by-play guy for NBC for Sunday Night Football, he's going to go over to Thursday Night Football, be exclusively on Amazon Prime now. He's a Prime member for life, baby. And it is... Crazy to think that Al Michaels is going to be anywhere else but the booth on Sunday night. But it's happening. He's moving on. Mike Tirico is going to probably be stepping in for him on the Sunday night NBC front. And it, 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 it's crazy, you know. And and obviously, we'll, we'll talk about the logo because I know a lot of people want to talk about the logo. But first, I want to talk about Al Michaels and him specifically joining the Thursday Night Football telecast. And a lot of people are probably going to think this is, uh, you know, hyperbole or what have you. But to me, uh, much like Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, the greatest, you know, player in NFL history, I think Al Michaels is the greatest play-by-play guy in NFL history. And that is no disrespect to anyone. It's no dis- disrespect to the Pat Summerall's of the world. It's no disrespect to the Jim Nances and everyone else. But when I think football, when I think big game, when I think Sunday night primetime football, the first voice that comes into my head is Al Michaels. This dude has been not only a legend in his field, this dude has not only just been a an absolute behemoth in his craft, 
Al Michaels personifies exactly what you want in an NFL announcer, it is to a T because he knows exactly when to go big with his reaction. He knows exactly when to hold back a little bit. And the best part about it and why I like him more than I like someone like Joe Buck. Joe Buck is a minimalist, right? It works for some people, and I understand that. It doesn't work for me. I'm not a huge fan of Joe Buck. But Joe Buck is a minimalist who will say very few words and will do it without a lot of emotion. But Al Michaels brings, I think, that perfect balance of emotion. Because when there's a big play in a big moment, you'll hear you'll hear Al Michaels go, Oh no, and it's no good. Like you will hear him go crazy sometimes. And I think when you throw when you pinch it in there, again, I do live streams. I'm not that good at it. I'm very emotional when I watch football. But the way Al Michaels does it is so perfect. And maybe it and it definitely comes with the fact that he's been doing it for 40, 50 years, however long he's been doing it. The dude's damn near 80 years old. And he's not slowing down. That's the other thing. He's not slowing down. He's getting this Thursday night football deal. He's I think he's gonna pick it up. You know, the, there's news that Troy Aikman is likely going to be coming along with him. That's the guy that they that apparently Amazon really wants to be the the other play-by-play guy for Am- for Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. I'm not sure how that's going to affect his Fox deal. I'm not sure even if it's going to affect it because he he has been doing both for the past, like, what, four or five years anyway. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to see Troy Aikman do both. I, I just don't know how that would work with Fox and Amazon Prime. Maybe Amazon Prime has to, you know, give a little money over to Fox. We'll see what happens with that. But Troy Aikman and Al Michaels... That is a really good combo, I think, to watch football. Because Troy Aikman is very underrated uh, because he's been with Joe Buck. I'm interested to see, what, to see at least, what Troy Aikman can do with, with a quality announcer. Don't hate me, Joe Buck fans. Big shout-out to Joe Buck. Great baseball announcer, by the way. I want that to be known. No Lara in the chat says, Tom Brady is... Tom Brady's legacy is his he is the greatest football player of all time. He owned the AFC side and went and owned the NFC one over there too. Yeah, Tom Brady. We'll talk about Tom Brady and his greatness in just a little bit. Hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Leave a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. The other part of this uh Amazon Prime thing, as those of you who are watching can see perfectly here. The other part of this Amazon Prime deal is the logo. And a lot of people have some reactions to it. My reaction to it, I when I first saw this, when I first saw the new Thursday Night Football logo, I immediately thought of, uh, what's that thing called? Rocket League. I immediately thought of the video game Rocket League. That's what this logo reminds me of. It reminds me of the Rocket League logo. It's got the shield, the letters are, the, are a similar font. Like, like, you know, like it's like a cross between Rocket League and I think like FanDuel. Like that's what I think about when I see this logo. Like it, it's not traditional at all. It, it is very, very different from what we've seen. And I don't know. I, I, I mean, if it, this is what corporate football looks like. Look, football is already pretty corporate, right? But this right here. This is what corporate football looks like, people. Just boom. I, I don't worry. I like the color scheme, right? But it it's just so bland. Like, can we be honest about this? This logo is so bland. 
it is just like it's just a it's it's like no artistic prowess, no vision put into it. Let's just put blue on a shield and boom, we got a logo. This is my biggest look, like I have a lot of problems with corporations and things like that, right? One of my biggest problems is the lack of creativity when it comes to stuff like this. Because you look at the old uh, Thursday Night Football logo, you look at all these other logos, there's at least some, some thought put into it. And, and that's what I've been seeing going away. The CBS logo, it's what it is. It sucks now, right? You got the, the what's it called? The, the, the Fox on NFL. Uh, at least it's got some yellow in there. You know, it does try to do a little something. But ESPN Monday Night Football, that's a classic. Like, when you're talking about primetime football, you got to have a killer logo with a killer design with at least some effort put into it. This looks like some intern put, like, turned on his computer, went to Canva, and just put, all right, shield, blue, Italicized font, boom, logo. It like it, it just doesn't inspire me. It doesn't make me want to watch football. It doesn't feel like football. That's just what I'm saying. No Lara in the chat says, Al Michaels is up there with John Madden, the greatest play-by-play announcer of all time. Well, here's the thing. John Madden was a color guy, right? John Madden was, I think, less so. I don't classify him necessarily as a play-by-play guy. John Madden was more so a... How do you say it? Like, like a, an analyst. He was an analyst. He was a booth analyst. So I, I'm not comparing him. When I say he's the greatest of all time, when I say Al Michaels is the greatest play-by-play announcer in football history, I'm not comparing him to John Madden or, you know, uh, those types of people. I'm comparing him to, you know, the Pat Summerall's, Jim Nance, uh, you know, the Mike Tirico's of the world. So that, that that I just wanted to clear that up. That that's the the difference that that I try to make when I when I say you know greatest of of uh, all play by play guys, um, and and I think I think he is. I genuinely think he is. He's been doing it longer than a lot of these people have. He is a, an iconic voice not only in football but in 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 Olympics in in a lot of other sports, uh, and he just doesn't seem like he's slowing down. And he's got such a great gauge of the game of professional football it it is he's amazing cannot enough words cannot be said to highlight how great uh that guy is um speaking of which if you guys want to be great hit that like button subscribe hit that notification bell go to www.realtakesports.com to stay updated youtube.com forward slash real take sports listen to our audio episodes on spotify and apple podcasts wherever you get your podcasts we're, we're deezer if you're on Deezer, for the three people who listen on Deezer, there you go. That's why we got it. Anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. Moving on, let's go into, let's go stick with the NFL, I should say, and talk about Mr. Robert Gronkowski, the Gronk, as they call him. So now with the news that Tom Brady has retired from pro football, Gronk's future is kind of up in the air, everyone. But the latest thing that he just said, Gronk's latest comments point to him possibly joining the Bengals. He said of playing with Joe Burrow this week, sorry, he said this week of potentially playing with Joe Burrow one day, I kind of like this young kid. I messed that up. 
Anyway, so when asked about potentially playing with Joe Burrow down the line, Rob Gronkowski said the following, I kind of like this young buck quarterback. He's in the Super Bowl now. It's Joe Burrow, man. He went on to say, I watched him in college. I just love the way he presents himself out to the, on the football field. In the pocket, he's just so calm, and he just slings it out on the field. It's worth to note that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have an option to release Rob Gronkowski, free up some cap space, which makes this move very possible and honestly very likely at this point because I don't, I'm not sure if Rob Gronkowski is going to want to play. Like If he continues to play, I don't think he's going to want to play for, you know, uh, Kyle Trask or, or Blaine Gabbert down there without Tom Brady, right? So I, I think that's worth to note as well. So we could see this happen. I mean, the all likelihood is like the majority, it's more likely, I should say, that Rob Gronkowski is probably just going to retire. He's going to call it a career. He he was on extra time anyway with this comeback attempt. And he said, yeah, I won a Super Bowl. Like, well, what else does Rob Gronkowski have to do? He's one of, if not the best tight end. He's in the conversation, at least for the best tight end of all time. Um, so, I mean, it's possible. That it's more likely that he just retired. But it is possible that he could return. It would take the Bucks having to release him um, or possibly trade him. And if they're willing to trade him, I think the Bengals are a pretty good landing spot. Genuinely. I think it's a good fit. And that's no hate on Uzama or, or everyone else who they got there. Rob Gronkowski only adds to the depth of that team. Because you're not just bringing in Rob Gronkowski to be, you know, oh, the big Gronk in the middle of the field and, and, and make all these big plays. You're bringing him in to be a really good red zone target, and to be a playmaker when a play needs to be made. That's what Rob Gronkowski understands more than probably a lot of the receivers who are currently on the Bengals, because they're young. And because Rob Gronkowski has been in multiple Super Bowls, because Rob Gronkowski has been playing the game of football for damn near 13 seasons, or professionally for 13 seasons, and Rob Gronkowski is one of the greatest tight ends of all time. So, adding him would only add depth to your team and would only increase the awareness, increase the ability and, and, the, and the time it takes to mold these younger tight ends and younger receivers you have. Because you bring him in, damn, you're damn right Uzama's going to learn. You're damn right, like... People, even like Jamar Chase, is going to pick up things from Rob Gronkowski because he's been doing it for so long and he's been so good at it for so long that it's hard to be around someone like that and just not pick up anything. Like, you can pick up things that you wouldn't even know just from being around somebody. And Rob Gronkowski is not a bad person to be around if you're a wide receiver in the NFL. Trust me about that. And on the Bengals with Joe Burrow, I mean, and he doesn't even have to be the number one tight end on that team. He can just come in for red zone situations. He can come in with, on situational plays and make a difference for that team. Damn right he can. Because then, if you're a defense, you don't only have to just worry about Jamar Chase on one side, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd in the slot, Joe Burrow doing whatever the hell else he's doing, Joe Mixon. But you're telling me you got to worry about Gronkowski? Rob Gronkowski on the Bengals? It... it it would actually make this team better and more scary if Rob Gronkowski ended up joining the Bengals. Because and it's and it's not just for the the talent reasons, not just because they're adding a big big time tight end, but because. 
Anyway. Anyway, the knowledge that Rob Gronkowski would bring would be immense. We all know that. We don't need to talk any more about that. Uh, no Lara in the chat says Joe Buck should stay to baseball calling or to calling baseball. Stay away from calling the NFL games because I don't feel the emotion from Joe Buck. No one does. No one feels the emotion from Joe Buck when he's calling football. With baseball, it works a lot better because that's kind of the vibe of the sport of baseball. It's a little more chill. You can get away with just being, oh, okay, 3-2 count, and, oh, another foul. You can get away with that, you know? like, But with football, it's a completely different animal, 100% a different animal. Anyway, y'all let me know what you guys think about that. Hit that like button, subscribe to that notification bell. That's my filler. Y'all already know, all the long-time listeners of the show know. Anyway, let's keep it moving and switch gears to the NBA and talk about Mr. Bradford Beal. Oh, Bradley Beal. God, man, is his time in D.C. over? Let's find out. So, Bradley Beal, who will undergo season-ending surgery on his left wrist and his agent, have met with the... And we're back. Great. The audio cut out there for no reason. This is... I I need a producer. Some people say I need a producer. I need a producer. You're damn right I do. Anyway, Bradley Beal will undergo season-ending surgery. And that could also put his time as a Washington wizard to an end. Um, He and his agent met with Wizards Brass on Monday to discuss... The, the three-time All-Stars future with the team and the franchise's plans for constructing on roster moving forward. The conversation, which included reaching a consensus on Beal's ultimate de- decision to repair the torn ligament in his knee I, or his wrist, I believe, will start to shape Beal's decision for the future of the organization. Uh, in other words, it, it seems like Bradley Beal could possibly be leaving uh, the... Washington Wizards fairly quickly and if that is the case if this is the end for Bradley Beal I don't think it could come at a better time for him and better time for the Wizards because although you could argue that this probably should have happened when the Wizards traded away Russell Westbrook um, last year but can't look back anymore. You can only move forward, right? That Bradley Beal arguably sh- probably should have been gone long before Westbrook was even traded for. But Westbrook, or sorry, Bradley Beal, you know, he, he's been with this organization since they drafted him in, I believe, 2012. Bradley Beal has been putting up all-star numbers for a ver- very long time. When he was coming out of college, I remember the big thing about Bradley Beal was automatic scoring. Automatic scoring. He is a scoring machine, and that was the big thing. If, if he doesn't develop anything else in his game, if Bradley Beal didn't develop anything else in his gaming arsenal when he was a, when he came out from college, you were still guaranteed that this dude was going to come into the games and just take over and score a shit ton of points. And that's exactly what he's been doing his entire career. He just got off of, I believe in 2020, he, he averaged like nearly 30 points a game. That dude, that's insane to think about, especially in today's NBA. But Bradley Beal did it, and he's become a better facilitator of the ball. This year, he averaged a career-high 6.6 assists. Bradley Beal 
is a not just an all-star. I think he's an all-NBA level player. The unfortunate thing about him, the unfortunate situation rather about Bradley Beal is he's been on the Wizards who have not been an all-NBA team to say the least. They have been near the bottom and either near the bottom or they've been just mediocre. His entire career. Yes, have they made the playoffs a few times, a handful of times? You're damn right they have. And what did they do when they made the playoffs? Jack. The Wizards had John Wall and Bradley Beal both in the prime of their careers. Did John Wall have a little bit of an injury history towards the end of his Wizards run? Of course he did. But they had a healthy John Wall and a healthy Bradley Beal and were not able to build a winner out of it. I think that says way more about the Washington Wizards as an organization. I think that tells you how they're run, how they're operated, and and what the, and how they view talent and and view a team and putting that together is flawed and has been flawed for a while because no matter what they've done, it just hasn't worked. Not only have they not been able to build a winner, and I understand building a winner is tough in the NBA. It's absolutely tough. There's only one team that was able to build a winner, a true winner, using organic draft picks, and that was the Washington Wizards. Or, sorry, the, the Golden State Warriors. You could argue, actually, that the, the Bucks also did it. The Bucks also did it. Outside of those two teams, the Suns, yeah, but without Chris Paul, are they really in the finals? Are they, are they that good? Probably not. So you have those two teams, and then at the top of the ladder are all these super teams. Especially in the era that Bradley Beal and John Wall played, are all these super teams. Wherever LeBron wanted to go, wherever KD wanted to go, and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and the like, right? Anywhere they went, dominated the NBA, dominated the conversation about the NBA. You didn't hear about Bradley Beal for a while. You only, whenever you heard about Bradley Beal, that's been the joke about his about most of his career. The joke about Bradley Beal for most of his career has been you only talk about him when you when you talk about trades and where he's going to go because they just nobody has seen him win with the Wizards and this is not again not about Bradley Beal it's about the Wizards so Bradley Beal I think his time is done it should be done it's 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 it should be done because He's not getting any younger. Bradley Beal is 28 years old. He's still in the prime of his career. He's going to come back from the season-ending injury, and hopefully he's going to be playing for another team. Who that team could be, I'm not sure. You could argue that the Lakers would have been the the premier landing spot for him. He would come in there, give them 25 points a game as their starting shooting guard. And he can also like do a lot of the facilitator things when LeBron is not there, unlike someone like Russell Westbrook who kind of needs the ball in his hands. Otherwise, he's less successful than he otherwise would be. I remember Simon, or, or Trenzi, who, who we have on the show a, a lot, used to sing a song. Uh, he used to sing a song um, when we were in college. And it would, it would involve Bradley Beal. It was, uh, it was uh, an, an, an ode to J. Cole. You're talking about Bradley Beal? Don't play him. He don't want to be played. Don't play him. He don't want to be played. Just trade him. He don't want to be played. Just trade him. That's exactly what the Wizards should do. Wizards got to get rid of him. Don't play him. Trade him. Get the picks back. 
rebuild your team because you've been in a weird flux of rebuild for the past almost four years. And at this point, you might as well just make it final. Start over. Let it go. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it doesn't work. And it's okay. It's okay if it doesn't work sometimes. It's okay. Anyway, let's move on. Talk about, I, I know we're talking about some weird topics this year. We still got, to, or this episode, we still got to talk about Tom Brady. We still got to talk about uh, trades in the NBA. We still have to talk about the MLB lockout, which we're talking about right now. The MLB lockout, probably the most seldomly reported thing that is a massive deal to a lot of sports fans everywhere that nobody's talking about. Absolutely nobody's talking about the MLB lockout. I understand we're in the playoffs, the the NFL playoffs, I should say. No one really wants to talk about anything else other than football. And we've had such a great season of football. I cannot under, understate that. This has been the best season of professional football ever. Like, like that's just facts. Um, but this has really been buried. The, the the story of the MLB lockout has really been buried um, in the, in this world of the NFL playoffs, the NBA is getting hot again. I mean, people just aren't talking about baseball, except for us right now. And I'm going to give you a real take here because it's been about two months since uh, the MLB owners locked out the players following unsuccessful collective bargaining talks and with both sides apparently not having met uh, since then. And recently, the MLBPA rejecting the owner's proposal to for mediation. Not the proposal for, for a, a, a whole agreement, just mediation. It's looking more and more likely that the start of baseball is going to be delayed. And honestly, I see it being delayed well past spring training at this point. Because it would be one thing, right, if these two sides had, you know, not talked for maybe a month. And then, you know, they talks had, they had come to the table again and talks had fallen through. We, that happened a bunch of times in the NFL lockout in 2011, where the sides would go away, come together, talk, go away, but we're not even seeing them come together. It, this game of chicken, this early game of chicken, has been delayed for so long that, guys, we're midway through February. It's almost March, and these two sides have not been talking. If you're telling me by March these two sides have not been talking, there's no way they're going to be ready for spring training. Forget spring training. They still have to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of the offseason. Remember, the offseason got delayed and, and, and interrupted because of the lockout. So you have that. You have the fact that baseball, the owners are locking out the players in this battle of greed where you have billionaires against millionaires and, and you know what? I don't want to actually phrase it like that because because a lot because most of the people in the MLB, especially the people who get lost in this, are the minor league players who really get shafted by a lot of this crap. But make no bones about it. You have billionaires who are on one side and then millionaires who represent a body of Honestly, working class baseball players, like a lot of like, especially the minor league players and and a lot of the younger players, they don't make too much money. They don't make like a, the thirty million dollars that the Bryce Harpers of the world makes. But who's the one negotiating? Who are the ones that have a lot of the power? Who are the ones that are in leadership in the MLBPA and 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 like that? 
It's a lot of the top players in the in the league. That's how all of this works. So at the end of the day, you have the people who are making the most money putting the the existence, the livelihoods of people who a lot of people who aren't making too much money at stake. And there's something wrong with that. And that's not saying that the players don't have a gripe here. The owners are completely greedy in this. The owners are 100% greedy in this. Not only are they not willing to part with a fraction, a literal fraction of what they would be making otherwise. But they're not, but in, in a time where baseball has a chance to be actually relevant again with the likes of Sho- uh, Shohei Otani, with the likes of Mike Trout might actually go to the playoffs and win a playoff series, people. With Shohei Otani, but no, when you have players like that, you got you got the a the NL East, which is don't care what anyone says, best division in baseball. The Nats won the World Series two years ago. The Braves did it this year. Boom, bada bing, best division, kind of cap, but whatever. Um, no, in all seriousness though, baseball has a lot of buzz around it, especially this past year. There was a lot of buzz around baseball, and. The fact that they have not they that they have not realized that this lockout is going to hurt them. The owners, the players have not realized the lockout, the longer this goes on, the more it hurts the sport of professional baseball. Because there's a lot of people, either people don't care about this or they're completely turned off by this. I know there's a lot of you out there who are probably watching this who are like, oh shit, they're still locked out. And you barely care about this. Yeah, I know. Because that's how a lot of people feel. Or you're like me. And you're completely disgusted by the actions, mostly of the owners, but also of 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 a lot of, of some of the player reps who aren't really putting the consideration of, of what's good for a majority of baseball players on the line. Because if they were, they would be arguing for better um, situations and better things for minor league players as well. Um and and I and I know like there's probably a disconnect there between the major and minor leagues and all that crap. I don't care. You don't throw. You have a chance to make things better for the people who are coming up in your game and who are gonna eventually play in the major leagues. I'd put that on the line. I totally put that on the line. Stand if you're gonna stand up for something, stand up for what's right as well. Get your money, but also stand up for what's right. Stand up for minor league baseball players. And then on the on the owner's side, you locked out the players and you think this is gonna help your bottom line? It's the worst, it's the worst, it's the worst like penis measuring contest out there. Like that's what these lockouts are. It's just, oh, oh, well, I'm tougher than you. I can hold out longer than you. That's all this is. And at the end of the day, less people are gonna watch baseball, less people are gonna care about baseball. Your window to actually utilize and emphasize stars like Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and otherwise is dwindling, especially with Mike Trout. Mike Trout ain't no spring chicken no more. He's getting older. Your time, la- your time is dwindling. Your popularity is dwindling. Your viewership is dwindling. And all you care about is your pockets. All you care about is your wallet. It's sad. It's depressing. And you know, at the end, you know what? It makes people not want to watch baseball. You wonder why baseball is down the toilet over the last 20 years? It's because of things like the 94 lockout. 
It's because of things that the, the, there was a strike-riddled season, and they just didn't play. And if that happens, if that repeats, I don't think baseball is going to recover. I genuinely do not think baseball is going to recover. As much of an institution as the World Series has been, it, it still will be a bit of an institution, but it's but I they are going to put themselves into a pit of despair as a sport the longer this goes on. Like, And again, this is not me like calling out the players, right? I have critiques. I have legitimate critiques of the players. I have, but I have way more critiques of the owners. I do think the owners are more wrong, are, are significantly more wrong in this. My, my critiques of the players kind of they go along my my whole like crusade to make baseball in general and all sports, honestly, just better for all the people who play it, um, including the minor league players. I, I think there should be a little bit of an emphasis on the minor league players and the way that they affect. Major League Baseball and 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 the impact that they have because the minor leagues that's where that's your farm system that's where a lot of these kids come from so we got to talk about them too show them some love hit that like button subscribe and hit that notification bell so show me some love too um anyway let's move on and let's actually talk about oh man yeah this was this was heart ah uh, this was this was kind of it's kind of sad honestly when you think about it but. It is the end of an era, an end of an era in Portland, of all places. Yep, it is an end of an era in Portland as C.J. McCollum has been traded in a three-team trade to the Pelicans, which leaves his former um, co-all-star in Damian Lillard without his former teammate. He's Damian Lillard, Lillard said on Instagram, grateful for our brotherhood and our friendship above all, bruh. We knew this day would come, but it doesn't make it any easier. Hurt my heart to know blank won't be the same, but the love gone always remains. See, you know what time it is with me always. All the best going forward, my brother. That's what uh, Damian Lillard said up to CJ McCollum on a very nice uh, Instagram post uh, after CJ McCollum was traded to the Pelicans. Um, and we're not going to really focus on, you know, the fit of CJ McCollum on the Pelicans. I want to talk more so about the Trailblazers and, and CJ McCollum and just what happened over the past, what, eight seasons, seven seasons, however long CJ's been there. I, I believe it's actually been damn near like 10 seasons. Oh, my God. But yeah, CJ McCollum, he, he was a guy who, who worked really hard, worked really hard to get to where he is. He, he like he was a guy who I believe he was he was he wasn't like a f- big time draft pick. He was like a top, he was like a 10th overall draft pick. So he wasn't like, you know, the 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 creme de la creme coming out of college. He was just considered a guy with a lot of potential. But by his third season, he start, he started showing that potential by in spades. Went from 6 points per game to 20 points per game almost immediately. And then he basically stayed at that level for a lot of his run there. And and him and Damian Lillard had a lot of success in a regular season. Obviously, Damian Lillard, a lot of people think that he might be moving on from the uh, Portland Trailblazers at some point. But the first domino to fall in that, I think, was them getting rid of, rid of CJ McCollum. Because this, to me, signals the end. Much like the Bradley Beal situation, Bradley Beal talking to the Wizards brass about his future and their future. This, to me, signals the end of this era of 
Portland Trailblazers basketball. If McCollum's gone, I don't see I don't see Dame sticking around for Josh Hart. That's no disrespect to Josh Hart or any of these guys. I just don't see it. Um, so I look for Dame to probably after this season not demand a trade, probably just get traded. I think both sides at this point are probably going to come together and be like, all right, we need to we need to move your contract. You want to move on. We want to see you succeed. And Dame's going to be like, yep, and this is probably what's better for the team because let's be honest, as great as Dame is, and he is a great, great basketball player, as great as he is, it's, it's nearly impossible to win a championship in the NBA with how good a lot of these teams are by yourself. And I know Giannis just won. And a lot of people say it was largely by himself, but he he had some help. Having Chris Middleton on your team doesn't hurt. And But uh, Giannis is also a different player. He's also can dominate the game in a different way. Defensively, Giannis has a lot more impact than uh, someone like Damian Lillard does. And that's not saying Damian Lillard is bad defensively. It's just the impact that Giannis has is different because he shut he will shut down the paint. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think he's getting traded, though. I totally see Dame getting traded. Um, and I, I think that's just it. There's not really much else to talk about. I'm sure there will be when we have Trenzy and the rest of the crew on eventually. Guys. We're heading down the home stretch. Hit that like button. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Let's keep things going and talk about our final thing of the day. Our final topic. Our thing. I hate pronouns. Um, I, like when I don't define what I'm talking about. I mean, anyway, but I, I let's talk about this because th- this is just a long time coming. I should have talked about this last week when it happened way more in depth. I didn't get the chance to. So I'm talking about it now. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Brady, the greatest football player in the history of the sport of professional football, has retired from the league. Tom Brady retires, putting up a career that players can only dream of, that you couldn't even compile in Madden. That's how great Tom Brady was. He was better than a video game. The stuff that Tom Brady did, the moments that Tom Brady had, just Better than a video game. Better than any story you could have written. A sixth round pick who comes into the game after the first overall pick gets hurt and leads the team to a Super Bowl in his first in his first year starting. And then goes on to have seven Super Bowl championships, five Super Bowl MVPs, be a three-time NFL MVP, a comeback player of the year in 2009, most wins in a Super Bowl, most Super Bowl appearances with 10, most Super Bowl MVPs, most career wins by a quarterback, most career career passing yards, most career passing touchdowns, most career passing attempts, completions, you name it, Tom Brady owns it. That's how good Tom Brady is, even had a 99-yard touchdown just in case you didn't think his legacy was great enough. Most completions in a season. And on top of all that, when quarterbacks in their 40s were known that the 40, 40 was the cliff for everybody. 40 was the cliff for everybody until Tom Brady showed up and said, Word, 
I'll raise you four years. Brady, at 44, in the year that he retired, this past season, put up 43 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Let me repeat that. 43 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, with 5,316 yards through the air. Led the NFL in, in passing yards. Almost led the NFL in passing touchdowns. Completed 68% of his passes. Led the league in passing attempts and completions. Set a record for most completions in a season. In his 22nd year. Playing the most critical game in the sport of professional football. Or his critical position, I should say. In the sport of professional football quarterback. Greatness. Not only did Tom Brady win three Super Bowls in four years with the Patriots in his first few seasons in the league. He led a team to a 16-0 regular season. Led a team to an 18-0 host season, including the regular season that year in 2007, and then wound up losing to Eli Manning in one of the best Super Bowls we've ever seen. And if we didn't think that was good enough, no, 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 no. Tom Brady comes back, wins the Super Bowl in 2014. Okay, you can say that was more Malcolm Butler. But then it's like, oh, so y'all still don't think I'm the greatest? I remember, like, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. Uh, so th- around the 2014-2015 the season, that's when a lot of the real GOAT talk really started to get loud, right? And there were a lot of people, including myself, who were kind of ignoring it, like, for a while. Because a lot of Patriots fans, especially they're the ones who started, oh, he's the GOAT, he's the GOAT, he's the GOAT. And you're like, ah, man, come on, but Montana. And then Tom Brady wins in 2014, and you're like, okay, he's got, what, four Super Bowls now? A lot of MVPs. Uh, Okay, but, ah, come on, he's, he can't, no. Like, he's, Montana's still better. And then the 2016 season happened. And then the 2016 Super Bowl happened against the Falcons. The greatest comeback in, in NFL history, 28-3, cemented Tom Brady's legacy as the greatest player in the sport of pro football's history. Down 28-3, towards the end of the third quarter, Tom Brady leads his team back with a lot of help from uh, James White. But he leads his team back. Poised with just a determined look on his face the entire way. Needed to get a few two-point conversions too. Did that. They win the overtime coin toss. Bada bing, bada boom. Tom Brady goes right down the field. They score a touchdown. Patriots win the Super Bowl for a fifth time. And it was at that moment I begrudgingly said, that's the greatest quarterback ever. Might be the greatest player ever. And by the time he won his sixth one, I was like, oh, okay. So he's just the goat of goats in football. And then he won it. Then, and then, he after dominating the AFC for damn near 20 years. In 2020, he bet on himself and he went to the Bucks. And he goes on, throws 40 touchdowns at the age of 43. And wins a Super Bowl. And an M- Super Bowl MVP. This year, 
in his final game. You saw the Tom Brady magic happen again. They were down, to, uh, like, well, what, they were down, like, what, 20, it was, like, 27 to, to, to 6 or something, or 27 to 3. That, w- that would have been a great meme. But they were down. And then Tom Brady says, not if I can help it. Here I come to save the day. And he almost did it again. Till the very end, Tom Brady had his team in a position to win. That's what he's been doing his entire career. The dude just wins. The dude's just great. And if you're one of these players, or one of these fans, I should say, who's still wondering or who's still arguing that Tom Brady is not the greatest dude, bro, Holmes, Mo, cut it out. Stop playing yourself. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted for a second. Tom Brady is the greatest player in the history of professional football, spoken by a Ravens fan who's gotten burnt by this dude way more times than you can probably count. But he is. And that's the thing. No matter what our biases need to be, no matter where our allegiances lie, you gotta recognize and you have to always appreciate greatness while you got it. That's one of the biggest things I've learned over the past few years, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in sports, whether it's in wherever. Appreciate the goodness and the greatness that exists. You don't have to agree with Tom Brady as a person to recognize how great he is at the sport of football. You just have to watch the damn game. And, like, honestly, if there's one thing we've learned from Kobe, appreciate greatness while it's still here. And and I'm not trying to compare that situation with this, but but even when Kobe retired, there were still people who 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 were dogging him. There were still people who were our conversations when it's talking when we're talking about goats and, and, and all this kind of stuff and greatness, it always starts with, well, here's why this person is not. Here's why this person isn't or no. Instead of being like, hey, here's why LeBron is great. He's, he might not be the greatest in your book, that's fine. But here's why LeBron is great. Here's why Tom Brady is great. We never appreciate the greatness that exists. And then we, in 20 years, people are going to turn around and be like, man, damn, Tom Brady was really great, wasn't he? The greatest. As since he just said in the chat, Tommy the GOAT. Bah. That was a pretty bad one, but uh, no, I mean, he, he's the greatest quarterback, greatest player in NFL history in my book. There's not even a question about that. Did everything. Did everything there was in the NFL a few times over. And still, still could play. He could still play. He threw 40 touchdowns. He had back-to-back 40 touchdown seasons in his final two years in the league at the age of 43 and 44. The only reason Tom Brady's not playing right now is because he, he can't justify. He genuinely, I don't think, I don't think Tom Brady can look at his kids and justify being away from them. Having done everything in his professional career in football 10 times over. He, he genuinely can. And that's why he's retiring. And that's a great reason. That's a great reason. Ah, oh, man. Tom, Tom, Tom. You actually have me, like, talking about you 
in in a great light. I never thought I'd be I'd be doing that, but that's what we've come to. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. He retired. I wanted to give him his farewell as far uh, as from football as best as I could. Um, y'all, let me know how I did in the comments. Hit that like button. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Since uh, in the chat, I have a question for you. On a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for the Super Bowl? Genuinely, because the Bengals are in the Super Bowl for the first time since the late '80s. And I'm sure people in Cincinnati are going crazy. The schools are shut down the day after the Super Bowl. Super Bowl should be a national holiday. Or, or post-Super Bowl Monday should be a national holiday. 100%. I don't know why we go to work. Why did we go to school on that day? Everyone's watching the game anyway. Cincy uh, in the chat says, off topic, but Gronk said he wants to play for, with Burrow. I actually covered that earlier on the stream, Cincy. So you can check that out when the replay begins or when you want to toggle all the way back there. Um, but I do have to run. Guys, it's been real. Be sure to hit that like button, subscribe at that notification bell. Cincy, I'll see you on Friday. Check us out on Friday for our Super Bowl live preview. Friday night right here in the channel. We also got our Super Bowl live stream um, on Super Bowl Sunday, of course, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern right here, www.youtube.com forward slash real take sports. And we're also going to be talking about so much other stuff over the next few weeks. Be sure to do all that. Follow us on Twitter at Real Take Sports. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Real Take Sports Talk. Check out Real Take Sports Talk on YouTube. All the clips, all the videos, all the breaking news right here. www.youtube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Cincy, good luck to the Bengals. They are, in my heart says Bengals. My brain and my betting wallet say uh, Rams. You'll see who my official pick is on Friday. Uh you didn't miss a thing, though. We missed you, Cincy. See you on Friday, he says. And see you all down the line on Real Take Sports. Until next time, everyone, it's been Real Take Sports Talk. Keep it real.